in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have been in the book of Acts since the latter part of May. We started in Acts chapter 1 with Jesus' ascension. We experienced the day of Pentecost. And all throughout Acts, we've experienced these testimonies and sermons where the early church was proclaiming the mighty acts of Jesus Christ. Last week you heard these words, Your witness, your Christ-like example in everyday living, as well as sharing of your own faith experiences of the gospel, is the primary evangelistic ministry through which all people will come to know Christ and we will fulfill our mission. What is going to happen in the next hour? Nothing more important will happen in this town, in this week, than what is about to happen today in the next hour. That when a person is witnessing to the good news of Jesus Christ, nothing is more important. For some reason, God has chosen to be revealed and may be, known, be made known through the verbal witness of the gospel by His chosen race, His royal priesthood, His holy nation, God's own people. And so all of Jesus' followers have the responsibility of sharing the gospel verbally. So what you hear today is the witness of individuals. It is their autobiography that proclaims the biography of the deeds of God. And our hope is that you would respond to God's act of forgiveness in Jesus Christ through repentance and faith and live out a new life in the fullness of the kingdom of God. We Methodists have a very rich history of lay folk sharing their testimony, sharing their witness. And so we have three who are members of our congregation who are going to share their witness, share their testimony. Rick, Robin, and Stephen. And I want to pray for the three of those men uh, before they share today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for working in our, in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, today I just pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on Rick, Robin, and Stephen. That, Lord, they would be attentive to you now as they uh, were when they, as they share their stories. And, Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that our minds, our ears, and our hearts would be open to hear from the Holy Spirit through these three today. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I get the honor to be first, I guess, so I'll tell you that this is going to be fantastic. Not me, but the next two. So don't get excited, but the next two is really good. But I do want to share something that, that's very important, and that's the Holy Spirit. We've spent a whole month talking about the book of Acts and how the Holy Spirit works with everybody. and This is kind of my story. 
For those of you who don't know, I used to be in the furniture business and mattress business and uh, there was a recession that comes along every so often. All of you that's been in business understand that. But in 2001, 2002, it was just that same way. It was kind of bad. And we were, like I said, furniture and mattresses. The, the store, the, the furniture store on West 8th Street was divided up into two floors, a top and a bottom. People hate steps. And there was 26 of them that went down to the basement. So there was about $100 a year discrepancy between the top floor and the bottom floor. And to make a long story short, I was on my way to Tupelo to find something that would be cheaper than what I normally sold to put in the basement to get folks to track down 26 steps. Got up early, left home 5 o'clock, get into almost to the Tupelo Furniture Market. And I went down the trace and going down the trace, you do what you normally do when you're in stress, right? You pray, ask, ask God to give you an answer. Give me something that'll make folks walk that 26 steps down floors. But before I got there, there was this building sitting over on the left-hand side of the road. And it was just like God reached in the car and grabbed me and slapped me. And I said, wow. I don't know if y'all ever been slapped before, but it'll get your attention when you've been slapped just right. So I slammed on the brakes, turned left. The guy behind me nearly run over me. The guy coming down the other side nearly run over me. And here I sat in the parking lot looking up at this building that said it was a climate-controlled storage facility. lady was coming to work, and I guess she thought, this man's having a heart attack or something. He'd come wheeling in here like this. There's something wrong with him. So she comes over to inquire about my health. And I said, you know, I really don't know why I'm here, but thank you. And I just sat there wondering why I had stopped. And as you think about it, we've all had those experiences where something's happened to you that you really didn't know why you'd done it, and it wasn't apparent to you until you listened, and God would tell you what it was. But I got out and went in, and there again, she was standing there and said, can I help? And I said, no, ma'am, I just need to look. Because I didn't know what I was looking for. And I spent probably 30 minutes just walking and looking. And then it dawned on me as clear as anything that it wasn't furniture for the basement, but it was storage. So I went back up front and talked to her about three hours worth. She told me everything she knew about storage, and I went on my rear way home. Never did get the furniture market that day. Stopped at home because I come up the trace and I have to go through Hampshire, and 
Jane drove a school bus, so I went to the house, and she was shocked to see me, obviously. But I told her, and she was like everybody else that I tell this story, that I was crazy. But she got on her school bus, and I went to the store to share the good news with the people there. And they thought I'd lost my mind. My brother said, you really went out there this time, son. And I did. But it worked and it's worked wonderfully ever since. It changed my life financially because if you have a stream of income every month, it just changes your life. Those of you retired know what I'm talking about. You got something coming in every month you ain't got to go to work for. Well, storage ain't quite that good, but you have to do a little work. But the biggest change that it made was taught me more lessons than you could imagine. And I'd encountered God in many ways before. The story of how I got to Columbia is a whole nother story. But we'll just talk about this. When the Holy Spirit talks, you listen. And not just hang an ear out and just kind of listen. You take it in. And whatever he's trying to get over to you is, is his way of changing your life. You know, when Paul went down the road to Damascus, he had that encounter. Peter had that encounter. I guess all the preachers have had that encounter. And when she read the scripture that says we're all royalty, we're all priests, and every one of us has, has some kind of a story that will impact somebody's life that needs to hear it, what God has done for you. And it's our, our job to share that story what God has done for you, what he's doing for you, and what he will continue to do for you. And it's the most important thing that you're going to do is live out your life every day knowing that God is in charge. And if you've ever took disciple one, you spend 36 or 38 weeks, whatever that is, studying the Bible, and it's just as simple as what it says. In the end, God wins. And that's our story. And that's what you need to share with everybody else. And I'll say that's my story and I'm sticking to it. So we'll let Robin share his story with you next. I tried to... Uh get one of those little tiaras from Brittany. She said I didn't have enough hair for it to stay in, so she wouldn't let me have one. But I think I'd look pretty good in that thing. Um, my story is just what it is. It's just my story. It's a very ordinary story. It's not one of the stories. I didn't see any blinding lights. I didn't see a burning bush. I didn't go to the very depths of my soul and come dragging back out of it like many people's stories are. 
about their salvation. It's just an ordinary 17-year-old boy that went to a, a retreat, a, a youth retreat. Uh, one of the reasons I went was because my sister wanted to go and she needed a ride. So that's the reason I ended up at that retreat that time. But at the end of that retreat, there was a campfire on Saturday night, and they asked me to, uh, if I would stand up in front of everyone and kind of be the MC of, the, um, of that campfire. And uh, all I had to do, it was a couple of girls in charge, and all I had to do was just do whatever they told me to do. So I'd go out and say, okay, now introduce this person. I introduce this person, so I did. And it ended up, she says, okay, now, the way we're going to end this campfire, I want you to go out, I want you to ask if anyone would like to give their witness. And I said, do what now? Tell me again what I'm supposed to say. She says, it's very easy. They'll know what you're talking about. Just go out and say, would anyone like to give their witness? And I had no idea what she was talking about, so I did that. I got up there. I said, would anyone like to give their witness today? And there's this young boy, about three or four years younger than I did, jumped up and said, yes, I'll do it. I'll say something. So I said, Okay. So I got out of the way, and he started talking about what God has done in his life, how he had been changed by God's love. And I thought, the first time I ever heard anything like that, it was very peculiar. Uh, I thought it was very interesting. I thought he had a lot of guts to say something like that. As soon as he sat down, this young girl jumped up, and she started talking the very same thing, talking about how God... And she has a personal relationship with, with her guide. I, I heard a lot of words then. I heard things like testimony and witness and being saved of all things and being reborn. I probably have heard those terms all my life before, but they didn't mean anything. But for some reason that night when I heard those words, they just started making sense. And probably uh, that's when my heart was strangely warmed. It, it all of a sudden begot, started something. I knew something was going on. I knew those kids had something in their life, and I wanted it. So I started my search on trying to get that what they had. Now, to make sense of this, you have to understand that I'm one of, in the generation, like many of y'all, I'm one of the baby boomers, um, which doesn't really mean much except that I was raised by a generation called the greatest generation. My mom and dad were the very first ones in their family to uh, excel in college. They got through, went all the way through college. They're the only ones in their family that did that. Uh, and so in their minds, what they instilled in me was if you wanted something, you can have it as long as you work for it very, very hard. You want to play the trumpet, Practice and practice and practice. If you fail, it means you just haven't practiced enough. You practice more and you will be rewarded. At school, if you fail something, it means you just didn't study hard enough. You study harder, you, you study, you study, and you'll be rewarded. If you wanted to play baseball and you weren't any good at it, all you have to do is work at it. Practice, 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 and you will be rewarded for it. And that's the way I did my life. In fact, that's the way I still do in my life. Work hard at something, and you'll be rewarded. The problem is it didn't really work with this religion thing. I worked, and I worked, and I worked. I read the Bible 
and I tried to listen to the preachers, try to figure out what they were trying to say, and it just wasn't taken. I, I was failing miserably. I was not getting rewarded. And I, did, I couldn't figure it out. So, I, of course, what did I do? I worked harder at it. I worked harder and harder and tried harder and studied harder, and it just wasn't going anywhere. So I, at one point, I decided just to give up, that I would never be rewarded. I probably was not going to get to heaven. My rewards wasn't going to make it because my hard work was not making it. And then I read a verse in the Bible that opened up. Have you ever read a scripture in the Bible probably more than once, and it never meant anything to you, but all of a sudden you read it again, and it's like it opens up and flowers go and rockets take off, and you just all of a sudden, bam, it makes sense. That's exactly what happened to me. It's uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's probably my very favorite verse because it opened my eyes of what I was doing wrong. Let me just paraphrase what it says. It said, for being saved, there's that word again, for being saved is a gift. You can't work to get it. I'm like, well, I've been doing this all wrong the whole time. So being saved is a gift. Let me read it. Quit paraphrasing. Let me just read it. For by grace, grace, your free gift. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift from God. Not the results of work, such no one may boast. All of a sudden, it all made sense. It all came together. It all just filled me totally. I didn't, my life didn't change. I still made a bunch of goofy mistakes. I'm still making the goofy, crazy mistakes in my life. So it's not like when I figured all this out, everything came up roses and, uh, but it did, for some reason or another, it's like I had a big gaping hole in my soul. And all of a sudden, that gaping hole was filled. And that was 50 years ago, and I can tell you that hole is still filled. It, it gave me the opportunity to go out and do things for other people and to, to keep working and working and working and working more, but this time for the right reason, to help other people and to help this, this church grow. So... I tell you this story not to bring praise to me. Uh, again, it's just an ordinary story. I hopefully tell it so that if you have this gaping hole in your soul and you want to fill it, then uh, I think we can take care of that. Good morning. Rick spoke about listening to the Holy Spirit. Robin spoke of the free gift of God's love to all of us. Today, I want to tell you my story. True happiness begins when one is in the right relationship with God. God is the only source of true happiness because he offers contentment, security, peace, and hope for the future. These are the words of the Reverend Billy Graham from a 1970 July 4th conference. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 10 and 11 tell us, 
By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any other foundation than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads in a short prayer. Oh, Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, open up our eyes that we may see, our ears that we may hear, and our hearts that we may ponder the truths you would have us take today. You know, we all do build our lives on something. I chose to build on Christ. I chose Jesus. And this house was started in 1975 at the age of nine on the other end of High Street at First Baptist Church, now called the Mule House. There, the preacher that day in June, it was vacation Bible school. And he was talking about the road that leads to destruction, the wide road, and the narrow road that leads to the gate of life. And that day I chose the life gate. I chose Jesus Christ. In my journey, you know, I was nine. I didn't know what had happened. My parents sure thought it was great because they came to get me just smiling and giggly. But I knew something was different. Everything seemed normal, but I just knew something was different. So my journey started with the Lord. I grew up here in Columbia. I was taught by a lot of people here that taught school. I had great friends, great parents, a great neighborhood. My parents, I grew up in the church. They drug me to church. You know that verse, suffer the little children to come unto Jesus. I suffered. I came to Jesus. You know, back then, this is an interesting note, it was weird if you didn't go to church, unlike today. So I continued and suffered for Christ as my parents took me. There were good times and bad times in my journey like anybody else growing up. But the one thing that stuck was Jesus Christ, my hope. Then came puberty, the dreaded 13, 14 years old. Yes, I was a late bloomer. Things started to become a little different. The voice changed. Hair started popping up in my body in places I didn't know hair could grow. I started noticing a lot of things that were pleasing to the eye. Life as I knew it had changed in a moment. It was no longer simple. I was growing up. I was becoming a man. I started to feel my will, my will more than my parents or the churches or even God's. I started thinking differently and then worry set in. I started getting thoughts of not good enough. Second guessing myself and others. Then the I accept just because my daddy said so or the church says you ought to do it that way or this way just wasn't good enough for me anymore. I began justifying my actions, my own desires, my own will, my own wants. But what remained was God. The foundation I laid in Christ that June day would prove to sustain me. Pardon. In life experiences that were to come. That old country song back in the 70s, some of y'all probably danced, danced to it. I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden along with the sunshine. You know the song. Yes, there was a lot of sunshine in my life. There was darkness too. And for some reason, all I could do 
or all I allowed myself to do was remember the gray skies. Sunshine was hard to see. You asked what happened, what happened to turn your life upside down? Events and experiences that turned my simple life around were really, really uh, started when my brother died at age 14. He had cystic fibrosis. And I, I witnessed him dying. A week before he died, he saw heaven. And I'd like to share that with you today. He was there before the doctors. And he was slipping in and out of this life into the next. And my mother wrote it down on a napkin. And I'll share a few excerpts with you today. Mama, I'm going. I'm going. I still get choked up. Oh, Mama, I love you so. You and Daddy mean so much to me. I put you through so much. You and Daddy have been so wonderful. I thank God for you. Now listen to me. You got to share this story. These experiences of my going. Don't cry. Tell my story. I'm a fighter. I may not win, but either way, I do win. He says, I'm going. This is what life is all about. Jesus Christ makes the difference. He makes all things possible. Material things of this world just don't matter. Only Jesus makes the difference. Christianity is all that lasts and makes the difference. Christ lasts forever. I am not afraid. He went on to say, there is no hole of darkness that I'm going through. I'm not rolling around in darkness. There is only peace and light in Christ. And then he awakened from his encounter. And he says, Mama, you know what this means. I've gone through the pains of death. Stood at the door of heaven. And he says... One steps over from this life into the next. You step into the door of heaven that way. There is no pain. Death means peace, mama. Peace with God. And Jesus Christ forever. There was a white line dividing earth and heaven. I felt Christ. I was not afraid. It was a wonderful feeling and I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed that I didn't pass over. Jesus Christ is the only thing that lasts forever. And he went on to say, people need to hear this message. And these are the two keys that he wants people to know. Only faith in Christ guides them across the white line to peace with God forever. Jesus Christ is the only one who makes the difference. So yeah, life happened. Life happened. And yeah, I still believed. I went to church. I prayed. I read the Bible. I sang in the choir at First Baptist Church. Went to youth group. And I did all the things I wanted to do, but these life events and others created gaping holes in my soul. Fear, doubt, anxiety, depression. I shut the door to my heart. I couldn't bear the pain. And not understanding how, and this is the key, not understanding how to lay these burdens of life at the foot of the cross 
kept me from the destiny that I started with God. Oh, I tried. Oh, I tried. And my daddy tried to try me. But I tried in my own strength. My life was like a familiar poem, Footprints in the Sand. Y'all know the story. Many of you. It's a guy. He had a dream. He was in heaven. I don't know if he died. I don't remember it that well. But in heaven, he was, he was looking at his life and his walk with the Lord as if they were walking on the beach and there were two sets of footprints in the sand. Well, as the journey went on, he would get a life event. Life happened. And they saw something that would happen. And then another event would flash and he'd see one set of footprints in the sand. And then he'd see two sets of footprints. And then another life event would flash before him. He'd see one, and then he'd see two. I felt like this. I felt like I was carrying the burdens of life on my own back. Then breakthrough would happen. Two sets of footprints again, then one. Then two sets of footprints, then one. It was me and God, then me. Me and God, then me. No, I never left God. I questioned his presence many times. How many here today have questioned his presence? But the deal was I was operating in my own strength and looking to things. Anything that was pleasurable, anything, you name it, I probably did it. Well, not that. I even turned to psychiatry, depression medication, church, theology. Anything I tried was not sustaining. You see, I had an intellect of God, but not a relationship. I felt orphaned. I felt alone. And I filled those gaping holes in my life with world solutions, not God solutions. You know, I didn't understand God solutions. I didn't know how to apply them. Yeah, I knew what they were. People tell me all the time, they would say, let go and let God walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? I didn't know. I was never taught it. But in all my life, I still looked at that. How do I let go and let God? How do I walk by the Spirit? And in all my study, intellect, human understanding, I still could not apply it in my daily, everyday life. But I wanted it. I wanted that walk with the Spirit, the one they speak of. And uh, Paul spoke of in Galatians 5, verse 16, and it reads, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. In life, we have struggles. We have trials. We have tribulations. And if we lay our life's foundation in Jesus and believe Him, He will sustain us, even if we don't understand the how part. That's the difficult part. What's the how part? During COVID last fall, God brought me to this verse in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 4. And it reads, Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you. I will carry you. I will sustain you. I will rescue you. You know, at some point in my life, I realized that those one foot, that one set of footprints in the sand, that wasn't me. That was God. That was God doing the heavy lifting. And this verse confirmed it. He remained true to his promise. He never left me. 
He sustained me. But that anger, the fear, the depression, the anxiety that filled my soul when I was a child became strongholds and kept me from that destiny that I had with the walk that I so desired. What Paul says, walking in the Spirit. You see, these strongholds control my thoughts. My thoughts controlled my attitude. My attitude controlled my actions. Praise God, the foundation I laid at age nine allowed me to hold on and stand firm to the promised hope that I had in Christ, even though I didn't know how. The foundation allowed me to keep seeking God for that answer. That burning desire remained. And then this past April, I got that answer. This is the how-to part. This is the how-to part that, that we talked about. In sun, I started talking about in Sunday school on July 4th, but never really got around to it. This is the how-to part. I attended a prayer session at a residence here in town. They explained to me what was going on. For the first time, I understood what was really going on in my life. Here's what I learned. In order to walk, they called it operate, in the spirit and not the flesh, I needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that Galatians 5 that I talked about. Oh, yes, I was filled with the spirit. I got that at salvation. That is one of our baptisms. And I guarantee you, anybody who has been confirmed, you are saved if you meant what you said. You are saved and you have been baptized and indwelled by the Holy Spirit. I received water baptism over at First Baptist. It was a church ritual. And it was also considered an outward expression of an inward conviction. That was a second baptism that I went through. But I was not able to fully operate in his power until I received the baptism of his spirit. You see, in our lives, after Adam and Eve ate of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, something happened. Yes, they disobeyed God. No, they did not repent of what they did. But during that time, the good and the evil part of that fruit, the apple or pomegranate, whatever it was, the good had always been. For back then, that's when God voice we heard inside that helped control our thoughts, that controlled our attitudes, that controlled our actions. After we fell and after we sinned and rejected God, now we had something else to deal with. We had to deal with the, the evil thoughts from the, from the spiritual side of it 24-7, not just some audible voice and a serpent talking at, a, at, a, at an apple tree. So God had to contend not only with the ego and the personal will, but also with the spiritual forces of darkness that can haunt our hearts and our lives. And that's what I was dealing with, and that's what the strongholds kept me from doing. Because if there's anything that devil wants to do to a saved person especially is to keep him unhappy and keep him off track, because then they're no threat. But at that session, I wanted to do what I've been looking for, God to take over my spirit and be the dominant voice in my thoughts and minds. And, take, and, to take God, and to allow God to take over, we must renounce these strongholds, 
bind them, cast them into outer darkness, and ask the Holy Spirit to come in and replace them, take over. At that meeting, I asked God to do this and renounce the strongholds. Things started popping in my mind. Be careful what you ask God, you just might get it. He started revealing all of these things. I could probably make a big, long list to make any teacher proud of things and strongholds that I've had to renounce. That night, I received my breakthrough. You see, the narrow gate that the preacher was talking about in vacation Bible school over at First Baptist was not just salvation. That narrow gate is the full life of abundance that we can have in Christ on the other side of salvation. That's what John talked about in chapter 10 when he said, when Jesus said, I came to give life and to give life abundant. I was seeking the abundant life. And something changed that night. Nothing happened miraculous. No, I didn't start speaking in tongues at that moment. I didn't get up and start prophesying. But I had a peace I had a calmness that came over myself that I had not experienced in decades, maybe even since childhood. That night, God delivered me from anger, from fear, from depression, from anxiety. God delivered me, and I'm free from depression medication today. I know it's real. You see, our blessed hope is Christ. And in Jesus alone, his hope exists, not in people, not in politicians, not in governments, not Buddha, not Muhammad, not even the Ten Commandments, but in Jesus Christ and only in him. And this is our blessed hope in Jesus, full everlasting life, communion and union with our triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Restoration of all things in our lives from the very beginning as when God walked in the cool of the day with Adam. The promised Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And all of this, not in just life to come, but now. We can have that abundant life even now. And that is only possible with the Holy Spirit active in us. Who could have imagined such great a mercy What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from heaven to wear our sin and bear our shame. The cross is spoken. Our sins are forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Oh, beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ is my living hope. Would you place your hope in him today? All you need to do is ask. And Christ will be Lord of your life and guide you. He will take over. It's that simple. It's time for a revolution in this land, in this church, in our lives. Not one fault with hands and weapons, but one fault in the hearts and the souls of all of us. It is time for revival. And let it begin with you. The Bible says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I want to ask you to do something today. I want to ask you to get out of your comfort zone and come down here to this altar. 
Come down here to this altar and kneel. Say what you need to say to God today. Ask, seek, and let's walk through this open door together. Jesus is waiting. Jesus wants to do something in your life today. He wants to do something in your family. He wants to do something in your heart. He wants to do something in your community. He wants to do something in this church. He wants revival. Will you come today? Will you come today? Will you kneel at the altar and place your heart here with the Lord? Anybody else? Would anybody else come? We will wait. As we wait, we have recited the creed and professed our faith in public. We have come to the altar seeking God. And it's time for us to walk through this open door together. Please come. At tugging at your hearts, God saying, come. Come. For those that are here, first let's say this together. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins and cleanse me unto righteousness. Come down on me. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to take over. I receive you today. Now before you leave the altar, hear this. From Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6. Start in there. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Now let's ask God this together again. Father God, by the authority of Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection, pour out your spirit on us, in us, through us, over us, and manifest in us the gifts of your spirit, faith, hope, and love. And by the authority and power in Jesus' name, renew us, Transform us, raise us to a new level in our faith and service to you. Let revival begin with us today. Amen. If you're on the radio, the church has a phone number, or on, on the internet, 931-388-3306. Call us. We'd like to hear from you. And go to church next Sunday.